with episode 855 of The Critical Myth. I'm John, your host, and tonight we have... Uh, Edmund from Washington Heights, and I'm, I'm starting to feel like uh, Oliver Isaac is uh, the new Zelig. Anybody remembers who Zelig is? Sorry, coming out of the 70s for that one. Uh, uh, this is uh, uh, Gary from Jacksonville, and I've got nothing. He's got nothing. Oh, boy. But we've got a lot to talk about over the next... Uh, couple of episodes that cover a couple of weeks, as we've been mentioning lately, um, d- between nor'easters and everything else. Um, basically, our schedule is t- to the point where we are putting out um, uh, an average of an episode a week. So there you go. Um, but we pick the host back up, so... Yeah. That's right. We it averages out. It does average out. So, yeah, we are um, essentially uh, splitting our, you know, our shows that we record every other week into two episodes that run essentially once a week. We put out the podcast once a week now. And so that's kind of the pattern that we're going to be in for a while. So that all being said, uh, this is the episode where we typically kind of catch up on what we've been doing that's not on our typical episode list. And so, yeah, we are going to go ahead and get into, well, I'm not exactly sure yet, but we'll all find out together. But before we do any of that, Edmund, if you don't mind giving a disclaimer. Uh, yes, uh, we will talk about uh, whatever we feel like. So if you haven't seen these things, um, we might spoil you on them. That's right. Quick, easy, and to the point. Thank you. All right. So uh, that all having been said, uh, usually we kind of go through in a certain cycle here. So we're going to go ahead and start off with movies. And uh, gentlemen, uh, I don't know who wants to jump in on here, but have you seen any good movies lately? Uh, well, I will go ahead, because uh, uh, I uh, did finally catch up with Annihilation, um, and uh, enjoyed it quite a lot, um, as uh, as I kind of suspected very often with these movies, where I, I keep seeing, uh, not that I, you know, I wasn't reading reading too many, you know, too many detailed reviews, because I didn't really, I did not want to get spoiled on it, um, but uh, where people are talking about, you know, oh, there's sort of a mystery and a thing, you know, and a, a, a thing that's that's kind of hard to follow at the end, uh, as, as ever, I did not really find it that hard to follow. I mean, yes, there was a certain ambiguity about the ending, um, but, uh, but I uh, re- really enjoyed the premise. Um, um, I was uh, very heartened to see that uh, Alex Garland, after Ex Machina, has produced another very um, enjoyable but uh, you know intellectually rigorous and twisty movie. Um, you know, after my my disappointment with uh, Duncan Jones' latest effort um, last time uh, we were talking, and uh, and also the, uh, the I, I, I you know I, I don't think this this was deliberate in terms of uh, certainly when the you know it's all it is based on the Jeff Vandermeer novel and uh, has been in production for a while, but uh, the whole idea of this this team going Going in against uh, this uh, alien, what appears to be some sort of alien incursion, um, a meteor has uh, has hit the Earth and uh, created this uh, strange uh, shimmer effect. They're calling the shimmer, um, and the fact that uh, we are following the team of all women going into it um, after uh, various uh, groups of men have gone in and uh, not uh, all except for one that uh, that that Oscar Isaac I was just mentioning um, managed had not managed to come out of it, uh, but. But, uh, but having a having a, a, a movie where you know yes there's a, there's certainly sort of some uh, science fiction alien invasion elements uh, some horror elements uh, in terms of this uh, strange strange place that they have to uh, venture into and try and make their way through um, but uh, but uh, have, having it be all women um, with uh, not uh, not making a big thing out of it other than the fact that you know yes they are sending a team you know, a, a team of women after the the, the men haven't uh, managed to do it um, was uh, was uh, 
it's certainly a refreshing change. Um, and it, uh, it, it, it really did hold me all the way to the end. And, uh, and even the, you know, the, you know, yes, there is a, is a bit of a twist at the end. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I still found it all quite very satisfying overall. Yeah, that's one of the movies that's on my list. I've been actually trying to get to uh, see it for a little while, and unfortunately, given the uh, other big-ticket movies that are out right now, it does seem to have kind of disappeared quickly. So I'm hoping that I get a chance to see it, even if it's uh, maybe through alternative means. <clears throat> I didn't say yeah. that. Um, yeah. well, it, it is on Netflix on many other places in the world. But. It is. Yes, it is. And yes, yeah, some of us may have ways to get Netflix from other parts of the world, as you say. Um, but at any rate, yeah, that does seem like it would be something right in my wheelhouse. Um, it certainly looked very interesting. I really liked Arrival. Um, so I'm hoping that if uh, it's in a similar vein that, uh, yeah, we wind up uh, enjoying that one as well. Yeah, certainly similar vein. Uh, not uh, certainly not not quite as intellectual as Arrival. Um, okay. You know, it is a uh, you know a, a, a team of soldier scientists basically uh, trying trying to investigate this this uh, an anomaly um, and uh, all the these these strange things that are happening therein. Naturally, um, so certainly we you know a little, you know, a little bit more of uh, action adventure and uh, um, horror vibe going on. Mm, still, it sounds pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, what really kind of draws me to it is the fact that you do have a pretty prominent, you know, female cast that is kind of, as you say, more of an action film, perhaps, or horror film than, say, what you would normally expect. So, yeah, it kind of uh, draws my attention just from that point of view. Uh, and 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 yeah, just just uh, just realized. Uh, yeah, since, since I only name checked the male star, I should mention that yeah, we are talking about Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Lee is uh, headlining that team. So. Ah, yeah, that is actually. <laughs> I, I do not want to be accused of leaving the ladies out. So quite noteworthy, right there. Yes. Well, the last time that I saw Jennifer Jason Lee was in the uh, the revival for Twin Peaks. So I'm imagining it's a very different character than she. Uh, I. You didn't didn't see her in that, of course, but uh, but I would imagine so. Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's see. Uh, any other movies that you've seen? Um, that uh, actually was what really was the the, the one notable one, uh, since I, I also have been dealing with the uh, with the, the, the weather issues uh, much as John has. So. Yes, indeed. Uh, how about you, Gary? Any new movies that you've seen over the last couple of weeks? Um, I don't know if we I discussed it the last time we talked, but I did see the that uh, fifteen seventeen to Paris. Uh, it was based on the uh, true story of those three guys that defeated the uh, hijacking of the train. And um, the interesting thing about that movie was that um, all three actors were played by the actual people um, oh. <laughs> that 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 it occurred in. So it was uh, directed by Clint Eastwood, and he felt that they would do a good enough job. And um, Overall, it came across as a really good movie. You wonder how they can take a you know five to fifteen minute hostage situation and turn it into a full movie. But they did a, a fair amount of um, backstory on each of the characters, and sort of had this um, sort of uh, one of the main characters felt it was uh, that their life was leading towards something, and they played up that aspect a, a bit during the movie. And um, they're not professional actors, but I thought in general they did a really good job of you know playing themselves and uh, bringing the story onto the screen that you'd uh, you know get interested and interact with it. So it was uh, better than I expected. I didn't go in with high expectations, but um, no, I was, I really, it turned out to be a quite a good movie. Hmm. That's really interesting that they used the same people and so forth. That's not something that you often see. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, uh, definitely out of the, out of the box casting for, for that. But uh, Clint Eastwood, I guess thought that they would be uh, you know, good at it. And then I guess it probably didn't hurt the budget <laughs> to not have main stars either. Yeah, that's true. And, um, 
that might have helped to get a, a movie like this made. But it was a nice story, and you know, give it. I won't say that they um, beat the patriotic drum to death on it either. So it was. You know, I thought it was uh, sort of well balanced as well. So. Hmm. Yeah. If I, funny thing about that movie, I did not see it, but uh, since I do follow the the British press a bit, just to keep keep an eye on my homeland, uh, especially with this Brexit nonsense going on at the moment, um, I, I I was slightly bemused to see that uh, in the original incident there was actually a fourth man who was who was British who was uh, in, involved in that, and uh, but uh, apparently he 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 declined to be involved in the movie, so he was essentially written out. And it, Yes, they oh, the, the, the Americans say for the Europeans. <laughs> they they showed um, they showed him slightly. They didn't write him out entirely, but okay. yes, obviously it was uh, much more of a minor part. And during the um, award ceremony, so to speak, by the I believe it was the French president at the time, um, they um, made note of him as well. Okay, good, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear because naturally the British press was you know all, all aghast and go you know and uh, castigating Clint, Clint and the and the Americans for <laughs> whitewashing him, but. As you can imagine, yes. All right, so if that's uh, our movie talk, because actually, I, actually, I haven't said anything, but all I really saw movie-wise in the last couple of weeks was uh, I watched Justice League again. Ah. Did it uh, improve with viewing? It did not. <laughs> well, Honestly, good. So you've seen it twice, and so now I don't have to. Okay. Exactly. There you go. I took it for for the team, one could say. Um, we. I kind of knew, because it was the first time that, like, the, the kids wanted to see it too. I kind of knew what I was getting into, but they didn't. <laughs> so there was some some amusement from that. Good. So do you feel that a uh, less colorful, more drab, depressing storyline would have helped the movie? Yes. The way that many people do. Yeah. Actually, I think that's exactly the problem. Um, and and considering the fact that I usually like darker material, that's saying something. Um, but yeah, absolutely. oh, that it was still too dark is what you're saying. Yes, it's really needed to lighten up. I think they need to get like a sense of humor. Because um, you know, there's still this uh, ongoing thing throughout the internet that oh, if we could get the uh, the, tr- the version that was supposed to happen, it would be so much better. Oh, the Zack Snyder version. Yes, I, mm-hmm. I I'm not prepared for that for that <laughs> at all for the amount of depression that that would probably cause. Um, no, I'm sorry, but that movie, the only saving grace of that movie are the little comedic beats, and I still maintain that Aquaman actually gets more annoying over time. So, can't wait for that to be the next movie. <laughs> DC needs some help. Um, but that's it for movies as far as I'm concerned. But now we can then move into other TV shows. The ones that we don't talk about um, in our episodic discussion right now, because it's not one that we, uh, that we typically track, for instance. Um, for me, um, I'll start with a show that's streaming on Netflix, and that would be Jessica Jones Season 2. I'm only three episodes in, but uh, I'm really enjoying having her back on my screen. I mean, uh, I really loved the first season, but there's just something, you know, speaking, I was literally just saying that I was uh, looking for stuff that wasn't quite so dark from Justice League, but there is a cynicism and and dark humor to Jessica Jones that um, I really enjoy that character just so much. I think that uh, Kristen Ritter actually really knocks it out of the park. And, um, you know, of course, this being a longer narrative, I'm kind of giving it a little bit more uh, room to maneuver, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, there's some dark material at the very beginning here in these first three episodes, but uh, I think that she's just such an engaging character and an engaging uh, performance that it really works for me. Uh, either one of you guys watching Jessica Jones? 
Not yet, but it is it is de- definitely on my list. Um, I actually uh, have have uh, I'm, I'm I'm so way behind on the Netflix MCU shows. Uh, I, I still haven't finished the Defenders, so um, I uh, kind of feel like I should do that before I move on to Jessica Jones. But uh, although it may, it may not be necessary, <laughs> you know, choose your poisons. You know where they are. <laughs> just do like Jessica Jones would do. Just have a drink and move on. Mm-hmm. Or don't, okay. you know, <laughs> as is her want. Um, uh, how about you, Gary? Have you seen any of the second season yet? No, I haven't. It's it's on, it's on my list. Uh, I imagine I'll get to it at some point. So we'll have to see. You know, I was only uh, about three months behind on Punisher. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. See, we're catching up. Yes. Um, beyond that, I've been watching... Um, actually, I've been watching a little bit of anime. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that the... Um, I don't know what you'd call it, the reboot, the remake, I'm not sure what you'd call it, of uh, uh, Spaceship, Space Battleship Yamato, 2199. Anime is better live action? Huh? Anime? Anime. It's okay. An, it's a redo of the storyline from the original back in the 70s. Um, and in fact, the dubbed version, which is actually what I've wound up watching, is uh, has been retitled Star Blazers in honor of the, uh, the Americanized title. Yes. From back in the seventies, so um, yeah, it's actually, it, you know, it's updated uh, animation. I think that actually, what's what's interesting is that they do take some shots, especially some of the establishing shots, right from the original, but they do it in CGI almost. The, you know, comp- and it, I swear, it looks like very strange. Like, I, I, it almost feels like it's th- like things don't move quite the way they should <laughs> because it's too <laughs> slick. Perhaps too stylized. It yeah. may be. Um, they do try to uh, maintain the the art style of the original, but more, you know, uh, obviously updated and a little bit sharper and cleaner. But what and I like is that is, oh, is that a Crunchyroll? Where where is it that you're seeing that? I'm seeing the dubbed version on Funimation. Okay. So um, it is available. I think the entire season is available at this point. It was running over the uh, over the winter uh, new episodes, so I just let them accumulate so that I could watch the whole thing. But uh, I mean, it's got everything down to the very end. The the teaser for the next episode um, will say at the very end, like, there are 321 days left until the annihilation of the human race. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, on, that, that's, like, perfect. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's it's really kind of um, cool to see the, the things. It is a little bit off-putting because you can definitely see where they're using uh, the, uh, the computer animation. But um, just... Yeah, getting to kind of see that story again, and it, it does feel like it is a little closer to the original, not the kind of goofed up American version. Um, hey, I <laughs> hey, I grew up on Star Blazers too, but they're you okay. know they don't play the robot for comedy. Let's put it that way. Um, and there are some actually really like strong emotional episodes in there. Like there was one recently I was watching. I think I'm only about eight or nine into the season, where it was like the a good chunk of the episode was just characters talking with their relatives back on Earth. And you got a lot of insight into the characters, and it was actually kind of very melancholy. It was really well done. Uh, but yeah, I've been watching that and kind of enjoying it in the background as I've been doing a couple other things. And um, it's just it's it's both a really nice retelling of the story, a little more streamlined, and also uh, just huge nostalgia factor. Because you know, I think that might actually be um, it's probably in a race between that and Speed Racer for my first anime. So, oh no, G Force. Uh, G-Force probably would have been around the same time or a little later. I don't know, because it's, uh, I'm trying to remember if... Well, it was, of course, Battle of the Planets here. Yes. Um, I think oh, I, that might have uh, run the same 
time, like right, like one right after the other with Star Blazers. So you're yeah. right; it may have been contemporary. But now that you now that, as you mentioned it, yeah, I remember watching Speed Racer actually on UHF television. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, Along speed. with like whatever Ultraman movie they decided to put after Godzilla. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Speed Racer was definitely my first. Not that I thought of it as anime back then. It was just a cool cartoon. Exactly. <laughs> Still, aren't they all? Aren't exactly. They all? <laughs> Um, so that was what I was watching when I was not watching what's on our list. Uh, how about you, Gary? Um, I'm continuing my uh, Fringe rewatch, so that's uh, it's fun. As longtime listeners uh, remember, I didn't pick up till I think around season four, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm just uh, rounding season two now. So um, yeah, still good. Why didn't you guys tell me about it earlier? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You're at least getting uh, that. Um, Although it's it's nice to finally have Peter's backstory because I had none of it before. Oh, that's right, that's right. Because as you got to the later seasons, they never bothered to uh, give any expository information at all. So um, it's it's sort of nice. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Hmm. You really get the uh, Peter Walter relationship a lot better because they sort of you know by by four or five things are running so fast that it really all that background never comes up again. So it uh, so I'm, I'm learning stuff still. So yeah, the first few uh, the first couple. Excuse me, people. I'm eating dinner. Um, the first couple seasons were all about like Walter and Peter. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah like, that I'm is not... kind of shocking. I didn't realize. But uh, hey, you're you're filling in your gap on yep. your fringe knowledge a little bit faster than Edmund's been able to do with his supernatural knowledge. So hmm. yeah, I've I have watched a couple more episodes, but yeah, so that's that only leaves uh, yeah most of the rest of the five seasons. And, <laughs> and, and not to, and not to ask for too much spoilers. Should I should I be looking for bald men in the second season? Because <laughs> I did not see them in the first. They were there. They were there. Jeez, all I'll right. go back and relook. Okay, okay. They're in every episode. Yes. Wait, first season? Yep. Yes. Damn it. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like well, I, I, in, until I started, you know, the first time through, I did not notice. And it was, you know, you, that's for the second or third rewatch. Okay. <laughs> no, right, that, that show still remains as I think as much of it's, it's so easy to kind of forget, unfortunately, these days. But, you know, um, we'll talk about the X-Files uh, next time around. But... You know, I literally just name-checked the two shows that I think are the superior heirs to what the X-Files started, which is Supernatural, which definitely in its first first five seasons just took, like, a lot of what the X-Files started and ran with that ball. And then, like, they took the standalone and mythology thing in one direction, and then Fringe did did their own version of the X-Files almost closer to the original source material. And just, I feel like that's a much better, yeah, that is a much better refinement of the, of the, uh, of the concept. And especially now going and looking at these, the, the redo of X-Files, it's just like, guys, you're chasing after your, your, uh, your progeny and they're, they're still kicking your butt. (laughs) So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I just wanted to mention, uh, in, in my case, I mean, no, I mean, I, I didn't watch Fringe right out of the gate, but it was more sort of midway midway through that first season. And uh, But this was after uh, I kept hearing, you know, part of the reason why I did I did pick it up was uh, hearing from uh, some of our old, our old buddies over at Farpoint Media and Slice of Sci-Fi, how they were talking about it uh, initially and saying, oh, no, well, the first five or six episodes, you know, aren't that good, you know, but then it picks up, you know, then it picks up after that. And for me, when I then went back and start, started from the beginning, I was watching those first episodes and going 
guys, uh, you know, yeah, aside from the fact that, yes, I've, I've been hearing it gets better, but this was pretty darn good right out of the gate. <laughs> and, you know, yes, uh, you know, obviously that, that FBI X-Files sort of, you know, and then, you know, mixed with monsters um, theme to it that, you know, yeah, felt slightly derivative. But uh, but uh, to my mind, you know, as we were just talking about how much they were seeding stuff right from the beginning, um, that, you know, that, that there was uh, an, enough little telltales and hints of this bigger story that they were, uh, that, that they were starting to build. But, uh, you know, no, I mean, right, right from those first few episodes, you know, I, oh. I was hooked and ready to, you know, ready to find out what the, what, what the heck was going on here. And I do appreciate there was a late season episode where they pulled out a whole bunch of things that they had um, experienced or used before um, to combat the, uh, yeah. I forget who they were fighting. And they pulled out things like that, 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 em, the ember, the amber and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, now I actually see, <laughs> I see it for the first time. I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting okay. because it's got certain uh, elements or aspects of the storytelling that like Babylon Five had, um, in terms of seeding so much in the early part that you then don't really understand how th- those pieces fit together until a couple seasons later. Even um, certainly now, Gary, you're seeing how uh, Peter's story really was like the linchpin for the, those later seasons. You can't like that was where all those those uh, hints and uh, you know stuff came from that exploded into the whole alternate. Uh, ver- universe and everything else. Oh yeah, no, I definitely. Um, it's a, it's it's uh, yeah. it's nice to, as you said, to fill in the gap. So yeah, yeah. And and call correctly, Gary. Is that a J.J. Abrams show? <laughs> yes, Bad Robot. Yes, oh, yes, it yeah. is. I know. I feel so twi- I feel so I, torn. I'm, I, I'm only going to point something out yeah. because actually, I'm I'm, I'm going to say something that um you you may actually agree with. Um, you know, that was kind of the the last in the kind of triad of bad robot TV shows that were kind of like the cultural zeitgeist at the time, right? You started with Alias, which Mm -hmm. was a show that started real strong out of the gate with a whole bunch of mythology and a whole bunch of cool stuff and then just fell completely apart over the course of five seasons. Um, And then they did Lost, which many people felt like was a step up from Alias, but of course many people feel like there were certain storytelling cheats along the way with that one as well. I'm not familiar with that, but go ahead. I feel like Fringe took all the best elements of the two shows that came before it and knocked it out of the park. Like fringe was like the epitome of what they were trying to achieve. And I don't know if it's the, the combination of the writers that were there that kind of learned along the way or what, but it felt like they, they really like managed to avoid some of the issues that they were having with the, with those other shows and then made fringe. And then it's kind of like, guys, you've been, (laughs) you've never really been able to do that again. Um, Although, you know, Damon Lindelof did go on to do uh, The Leftovers, of course. Um, and there's other people that have been involved that have done some pretty awesome things, too. But Fringe still is like that that one that, until you mentioned it, it almost like slipped my mind. And then when you mentioned you were rewatching it, I was like, wow, yeah, Fringe. Yeah. Jeez. Well, that, that's it's Massive so Dynamics' fault. So. Yeah, it is, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> not, mine. not mine. But anyway, yeah, so I know. William Bell. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> You know what it That's is? The, you're, 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 you might get a little choked up when you do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's going to be rough. Um, yeah, uh, I think what it is is that Barry went back in time and changed the timeline again. And now people forget Fringe. It's He just has to stop. Um, I, guess, you know, I guess it falls prey to one of those that it's, it's such a story that builds upon itself that it's not standalone, that uh, it doesn't want to doesn't want to be syndicated often. I see it every once in a while. On, on uh, cable uh, channels, but no, it's not nearly as prevalent as other, other ones. And I think what it is, too, is that at least for, you know, like, once you've gone through, like, unless you're going to do a rewatch like what you're doing, once you've kind of seen the story, it's almost like they did such a good job of wrapping it up that you're just kind of like, okay, 
that was pretty good. I'm going to put it on my shelf and maybe I'll come back to it later, but it's not the kind of thing where it's just like, wow, I really need to like rewatch that like all the time. It's, yeah. it's like a, because you're really going to want to watch the entire series again. It's like kind of like Babylon 5. Again, I'm going to invoke that because actually I forgot to mention that. Uh, yeah, another Babylon 5 rewatch, we're now about a third of the way into this final season. So, oh, yes. Yeah, kind of in the doldrums of season 5. Right yeah. It ends in fire, John. Which means you're mid Byron. Okay. Yes, we are mid Byron. Oh, jeez. Oh, we're, we're right yes. on the cusp of Lockley revelations that never should have took place. But anyway. Um, yes. Yeah, but I, I did. I, before we leave Fringe, there is one thing I wanted to mention because it, it, it's always bugged me. You know, with my architectural background and especially coming at it mid, in the middle of the first season, there was there was a, there was a little twist that they did that apparently was just completely just a production thing. It wasn't something that was intended as part of the story, but it kept bugging me because for the first five or six episodes, they were showing this white skyscraper as their as the headquarters that uh, you know that uh, Olivia worked out of. And then they shifted it to the John Hancock building, which is actually in Boston, but is this block of a skyscraper. And especially since at that point, you know, there were, you know, there were already the hints about, uh, you know, possible alternate worlds, et cetera. You know, so as, as, as I was getting to the end of that first season, you know, I was sure that, you know, that switch in building was going to mean that, you know, oh, no, she flipped over at some point and we didn't realize it. And it turned out that, no, they were just using they just started using the different stock shots. <laughs> mm. Oh, I was going to say perhaps they were, uh, perhaps Boyle's offices weren't in the FBI's offices, so they just finally moved there. Yeah, no, well, and it, uh, the, 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 it was definitely establishing shots of you know, uh, the, you know, the office they were they they were in. You know, okay. The, you know, the interior stayed the same. You know, it was still the same office, but the building, the, the outside building changed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, good memories. All right. So, thank, wow, Gary, thanks for bringing that one up. It really oh. brought up a good topic there. Yeah, it was a good show. So I yeah, it was. Uh, Edmund, how about you? You kind of already mentioned. Uh, <laughs> um, yes. Well, uh, the, uh, the, the, the main thing that's been my sort of the thing I look forward to every week uh, has continued to be Counterpart. Um, and uh, actually, it's, it's a good segue because it's been uh, really more and more as, as the season's been progressing. We're down to the uh, they have one episode left uh, as we're recording this. Um, but it's a show that, to me, re- really does feel like uh, fringe, but sort of set in a John Le Carre universe. Um, the fact that it is they are they are, are using Berlin, since uh, you know Berlin seems to be giving lots of good incentives to production companies the last few years, so uh, keeps uh, keeps popping up as, as location. Um, and uh, but. Uh, Certainly, with the with the, the way they've set up these these two alternate worlds that uh, they're they're flipping back and forth between, um, it is uh, um, a bit more you know a bit a bit more subdued. It's a little darker. It's you know th- you know th- you know definitely it's it, it's uh, people moving in the shadows and. Uh, um, and uh, but at the same time, and with the, you know with with, the, with these two sort of rival agencies on either side who uh, sort of monitor and uh, monitor and, and control the traffic uh, between the two sides, um, the way they've been setting up the conspiracies and machinations um, has been really well done. Um, they uh, they're they're finishing up with a they with a two parter um, um, broadcast uh, over two uh, over two weeks, so part one and a part two. Um, the part one, it. Um, I found it it was slightly disappointing in terms of the uh, the big uh, the, this big event that uh, the sleeper agents have been setting up um, wound up seeming a little 
strangely over the top and not 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 that well planned. Um, but they do still have part two to uh, try and uh, pull that back. Um, but that's really been uh, the the only misstep uh, so far. And uh, the only other thing I, I really regret is um, now since, since uh, yeah, they have set this up where it's two different sides, so you're seeing uh, two different versions of all of uh, of all these main characters uh, that uh, even though we do have Olivia Will- Williams as J.K. Simmons' wife, um, unfortunately, she has been in a coma on our side of the of the uh, divide. Um, so we've really only seen, you know, she, you know, she's one of my favorite actresses, but we, you know, she she hasn't really been given the opportunity to, uh, you know, to really uh, show the two characters. Um, and although she has uh, just woken up, so maybe in the final episode we'll finally get to see the two two different versions of herself. Um, but uh, but J.K. Simmons has been uh, doing a quite extraordinary job of. Of, uh, playing these two two different versions of the same person who uh, on on one side is very hard nosed and arrogant and uh, on the other side sort of much you know certainly at the beginning appears much much softer and kinder um, and uh, but now is uh, you know doing doing one of those those very nice uh, progressions of uh, as as they each have to navigate this uh, very tense situation that, uh, that that yeah there are uh, little bits of uh, each of their characters which is starting to show up in the other. Um, um, and uh, you know, J.K. Simmons naturally is doing a a, a very good job of uh, uh, both uh, delineating that and uh, you know and, and making it quite natural and believable. Hmm. That is definitely uh, not. What, I I don't know why this show hasn't actually gotten on my radar if it's got those kinds of elements to it, but that's okay. Um. Yeah, well, only ten episodes, so e- easily bingeable later. So hmm, that is what it sounds like. Uh, let's see here. Any other TV that you have that's not on the list? Um, oh, uh, well, actually, I just realized, I think I mentioned this when we were off the air last time, but um, after uh, after having watched Deadwood, finally, uh, a couple of years ago, I've been uh, sort of try- trying to find uh, the, you know, the, the shows that uh, might be, sim- you know, that, that might have s- similar qualities or actors, and uh, the one I have landed on is Justified, uh, which, uh, of course, is what Timothy Oliphant went on to do after Deadwood, um, and uh, it had various friends who uh, were, were big fans of it and kept saying, why, why aren't you watching Justified? <laughs> and uh, so I've, I've now uh, gotten through the first two seasons. Uh, it's on Amazon for those who have Amazon, like I do, and uh, and it is really it is a, a lot of fun. Um, no, uh, Timothy Oliphant is this U.S. marshal who has to uh, go back to his uh, his uh, home, home home counties in uh, in Kentucky and uh, sort of take on uh, various aspects of uh, the the redneck mafia and his uh, his uh, home family squabbles. Um, and and in the the second season that I just watched was the season where Margot Martindale um, stars as the uh, the the main the main villain um, and the role she won her Emmy for and uh, so I did finally get to see the 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 role that uh, you know yeah she did very deservedly win the Emmy for but I'm still slightly annoyed because of that that's it's because of that that all the Emmy voters keep uh, giving her the nominations for the Americans that should have gone to some of the other supporting actors in the Americans ah I see, I see. <laughs> which is coming back very soon Yes, it is, and 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 specifically last season, there was no reason why she was nominated, and Frank Langella wasn't. Mm, good point. Good point. All right, uh, let's see here. I, I kind of vaguely recall that uh, Justified is a show that uh, Bronze Thumb, our old friend, used to talk about here on our show a few years back. I believe so. Yes, yes. Yeah. positively, it was rolling out. Uh, yeah, it was what uh, two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten to mm-hmm. fourteen. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That says how long our show's been around. All right. Um, reading material. Gary, how about you? Anything new on that? 
particular vein? Uh, yes, um, in the uh, Scott Sigler vein that I sometimes talk about, he just uh, released his n- new version of uh, Earthcore. I just got got it in the mail a few days ago, and it's um, he went back. Uh, Earthcore was originally basically sort of a privately published book that he did. Um, over a decade ago, and he always regretted that he wasn't able to expand it or take advantage of his uh, current writing strength to go back and redo the um, novel. His uh, current um, publisher heard that and suggested he do exactly that. So he went and took about a 210-page book and cranked it up to about 383 and po- and took his uh, now uh, much better writing skills and polished the whole book up again and re-released it. So um, if you've it does have the same ending, more or less, so it's not a drastic revision in that sense, but there's a lot more character detail. Uh, the uh, writing is much better, as Scott, would, as Scott himself would also agree. And um, it's uh, definitely a lot more detail with the extra 150-plus pages of uh, writing put into it. Um, it's um, I honestly feel it's more suspense than horror. Um, even though a lot of people like to think of them purely as horror. Um, so I would uh, definitely recommend it. It's definitely sort of a science fiction uh, discovery thing. There are some aliens involved. A bunch of it takes place underground in like a cavern system. And um, there's some political intrigue, some a uh, little bit of a uh, uh, spy goings on as well associated with the book. And um, so it covers a bunch of different genres and uh, does it quite well. You uh, definitely uh, feel for uh, some of the main characters afterwards. I see. That's always cool when they get to go back and kind of make a director's cut of their own novels. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, uh, uh, so uh, yeah, so uh, that, that's, that's it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, for myself, uh, I have finished um, the uh, second of the Discovery novels. Um, what was it called? Uh Des- no, uh, no, it's geez. not desperate. No, yeah, I'm trying to remember what uh, drastic measures. Drastic measures. That's yes. what it is. It is I haven't gotten uh, to that one yet. Is it, how was it? It was actually pretty good. Um, okay. It is almost entirely um, told from the point of view of Captain Giorgio. She's not captain at that point, and um, Lorca. And uh, I will not say anything more about Lorca other than pay very close attention. <laughs> oh. Um, also, this is like so totally the the uh, the way that people do things these days. If you're reading the novel, everyone out there, pay attention. Go past the about the author part. Go past the acknowledgments. And at the very end of the book is a post credits scene <laughs> that you do not want to miss because it drops a major hint for season two. Ooh. Yes. I actually was like, I was pretty happy with the book, and then I read that last scene, and I went, oh, wow, okay. That answer is a major question that we had. So, it, yeah, they, uh, they do a pretty nice job, and also, it, I would say also that that scene kind of makes you think about some of what you read earlier in the novel. So, um, it is a nice little clever thing that they did, and uh, definitely it's something that I would recommend for fans of the show. Especially right now, there aren't a lot of new Star Trek books coming out. So, if you're a Star Trek novel junkie, that's one to pick up. Um, beyond that, I've actually started uh, reading a book uh, that is um, set in the uh, iRobot time period of Isaac Asimov. Mm. It's actually not written by him. I'm, I don't have it right in front of me in order to say who, what the name of the author is. But um, basically, it's the last of a, of a trilogy um, about Susan Calvin. So, um, and it kind of gets into her uh, history a little bit more in depth. 
as something of a psychiatrist. So um, it's the, the one that I'm reading right now is a bit of a murder mystery. It's called iRobot to Preserve, I believe. So and um, who's the writer? Ah, uh, I, I would have to look it up. Um, okay. It's literally sitting just out of reach, <laughs> right over there. Um, but it it is uh, actually, if you give me one second, I'll go get it. Ha ha. It's worth mentioning because it was difficult to find a copy of this, but um, I did manage to get it off of Amazon uh, Marketplace. But it's uh, iRobot to Preserve, and it's uh, Mickey Zucker Reichert, who I'm not, I don't know what else she may have written, so I'm going to try and see if there's something in the back, and there is, should be, but I'm not seeing it. Oh well. Um, but essentially, it is, um, yeah, Susan Calvin's. Uh, kind of background and it gets into a lot of uh, a lot more detail than what you would have seen in the original like 1950 short stories oh sure yeah no yeah no I was, yeah certainly I, I was rather intrigued with the idea of uh, yeah, somebody taking on uh, more of the background of susan calvin who was not writing in that that 50s golden age style which uh, did tend to be uh, a a little dismissive of women sometimes even if uh, you know yes isaac did did give her give her her due um but uh, yeah it would be interesting to, to read something from a more a more modern sensibility yeah and this was written in um 2016 okay so it's it's uh, probably one of the most recent uh, outgrowths of the original uh, timeline for for Asimov, so definitely something worth looking into if you're into that sort of thing. It's not like the robot stories that he wrote at all. It is a lot more. Um, it is it does almost get into like aspects of medical psychiatry that you would never expect him to ever have been able to touch. So mm-hmm. it is a very different writing style. It's a little more dense. Um, it takes a little getting used to, but I am enjoying it, uh, even if it's just just get a little bit more into that kind of robot mystery type of, of uh, vein that Asimov did so well. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that's it for reading for me. How about you, Edmund? Um, just, uh, well, actually, really just, just one ma- major thing, but uh, which I don't think uh, I'd... Uh... Come up! I realized when when uh, we talked last time, but uh, yeah, I did not realize that back in December the latest Expanse novel has in fact come out. Uh-huh. Um, I have been reading uh, Persepolis Rising, um, and uh, quite you know, uh, you know just uh, it it is uh, con- continuing on from uh, from where the last novel uh, ended, um, but with a bit of a time jump. Um, so uh, you know it's uh, we're still on the Rosinante, but uh, the crew is getting a uh, you know a get, get, uh, getting uh, I was going to say a bit, but actually you know quite quite a bit older. Um, so uh, it uh, I can see where they are. You know the, the, this is uh, does seem to be there's going to be a bit of a a, a crazy the grave story for uh, these folks and uh, you know I can certainly see by the time you know that uh, I, I think that they they are planning on 10 novels and uh, by the end of it uh, yeah there may be a handoff to the next generation or generations because um, uh, the story the story and the uh, the the palette and the uh, you know and the the, the wor- worlds they have to uh, play around in is uh, is continuing to expand um, mm. as you would imagine for those who uh, who have been following along and uh, and yeah I'd say it's it's, it's um, becoming more and more obvious that no, there there is no way the TV series is going to no. encompass the entire series. <laughs> there's no way. I mean, there's just no no freaking way. Um, that's why I really think that they're going to go for the original tr- quote unquote trilogy of stories because yeah. that that's really where the story kind of, uh, no pun intended, it, it expands. Um, yes. So. Yeah. Although yeah, I, and and the fourth one, but. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, what I do find interesting is, as I think, you know, I mean, depending on the on the success and uh, you know how much uh, how much uh, demand they they can they can generate. Um, this I, I do see it where 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 they could possibly go the the TV movie route for at least some of the other stories. I mean, not the whole mm-hmm. thing necessarily, but uh, but certainly to dip in and out of uh, different aspects of uh, the way the, the the way everything develops. Yeah, I think if you uh, charitably give them four or five seasons, they could fit four novels into that. I haven't read the fifth one yet. That's on my shelf. Uh, now, is this book seven? Uh, I believe so, yes. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would heard. think maybe they'll get through four or five. Yeah. Maybe. But you know what? They, I think at the pace that they're going, they're really not going to be able to get past four. And I wouldn't even, if I were them, I would even be planning on maybe getting through three <laughs> and just calling it a day. Um, yeah. Which would be unfortunate because there are some very interesting revelations that come later. Uh, even the ones that I've seen from book four, but um, yeah, I mean, this was one of those shows where it's like, guys, this needed the HBO treatment where they're yes. just going to stick with it to the end. Cause mm-hmm. sci-fi just doesn't have the clout to do that. Yeah. So, exactly. uh, and, and yeah, and I just check yeah, it. It is, it is book seven. There you go. At least we have a lot more reason to believe that they'll get through all 10 books. than yes. We do to believe that George R. R. Martin's ever going to get through seven. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah they, they, they've already made it through seven. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Gary, is there anything else that you have on your list that you want to bring up? Um, let me think. Uh, no, I think that's it at the moment. There is an interesting um, storyline in uh, the Green Lantern Corps right now where they're facing Zod on a, um, and several of his family members who are trying to reestablish Krypton on a planet. That, that's a little fun and doesn't involve Superman at all, which is an unexpected uh, pleasure, actually. It's nice to see how um, it's, it works when you just have a Kryptonian villain but no Kryptonian heroes. So. Mm, that is interesting. Mm. Krypton not involving Superman. That might be something we want to get into at some point. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds doomed if you ask me, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) The planet and perhaps the series? You'll find out in a little while. Um, Edmund, how about you? Anything else that you want to... No, I think that's that's covered it for me for now. Okay. And I think that's covered it for me as well. So uh, when we come back next time, we are going to be uh, knee-deep, perhaps even neck-deep, in episodic discussion. So until then. And so ends another epic episode of The Critical Myth. If you want to leave a comment for this show, head over to vognetwork.com. Not only can you find links to the podcast version of each show, but there is a dedicated forum, a ton of written reviews, and related articles by the crew throughout the site. For the written reviews, you can even leave your own review. So let us know if you agree or not. You can also leave comments on our Facebook page, Critical Myth, on Twitter at Critical Myth, or Google Plus under The Critical Myth Show. Any and all use of copyrighted material is only intended for discussion, commentary, parody, or educational purposes, in accordance with U.S. Code Title 17, also known as fair use. In other words, please don't sue us. And of course, the statements and opinions of the Critical Myth crew are not necessarily those of the VOG network, its partners, or affiliates. But let's face it, we're probably right anyway. Until next time. Watch, watch, read, read, and listen, and listen, and believe, and believe in the critical, in the critical myth.